worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. We're going to talk to cruise director Kabir today. He was actually on board a ship in the Caribbean when the industry went silent, and he was actually on the ship for like six weeks afterwards because he could not get home. So he's going to share that experience, what it was like on the ship, and we're going to ask some listener questions to him as well. If you have a question to ask, Doug at CruiseRadio.net. All of that will come right after Sherry Laskin with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. One Western Caribbean cruise port said they're not quite ready to welcome cruisers back. Well, that's true. The tourism minister for Grand Cayman said that their island will remain closed until at least September 1st. The date could even be pushed back further. And this is a change from the original reopening date of June 1. So as reported in the island's local newspaper, the Cayman Compass, the new reopening date will soon be official And it's worth noting that this new date is, of course, tentative and will be reviewed in the future, despite the fact, this is interesting, that Carnival Cruise Line already has Grand Cayman on their August itineraries. Grand Cayman officials have stated they were not consulted before Carnival made the announcement. The August 2nd and 16th sailings of Carnival Horizon from Miami include stops at Grand Cayman, as well as Ocho Rios and Cozumel. And from the looks of how it stands right now, there's a good chance Grand Cayman won't open for cruise ships until sometime next year. A marine firm has recently launched a project designed to help cruise ships stay clean. Yeah, and this is a brainchild of the company that you mentioned. It's called Foreship. It's a naval architecture firm, and they've named this project Project Hygieia. It's a four-step wellness plan, basically, to prevent, treat, and to prepare for the worst-case scenarios that could happen aboard cruise ships. The name Hygieia, by the way, as you mentioned in your article, is named after the Greek goddess of health and also sickness prevention. So the four-stage initiative will begin with the basic concept of preventing sick people from boarding the ship. That's the basic way to start, right? So embarkation would include thermal scans and temperature checks, And once vaccines are available to all, passengers may need to provide proof of vaccination. Stage two is, of course, involves preventing, if there should be an onboard outbreak, to prevent it from spreading. And this could be accomplished with stricter hygiene measures, social distancing, and, of course, fewer touch points for passengers to spread the virus. And that, of course, in turn would put more responsibility on crew members to try to enforce these protocols. The third stage would isolate sick passengers, and that includes having better air filtration methods, medical centers, and medical staff 
who would be needed, of course, to assist any quarantined crew or passengers. And last but not least, they have come up with stage four, which is really the court of last resort and would make sure that everyone involved is prepared to handle worst case situations. And of course, the ships would have to have an adequate supply of PPE. They'd have to have evacuation procedures in place and really spell out all aspects of safely coping with an outbreak. And the CDC's no-sail deadline will expire the end of next month. So cruise lines better get their preparedness plans together. So Disney Shanghai is now open, and they released a video detailing what they were doing to open the park. And it looks like it could offer a glimpse into what cruising could be. Yeah, there is some. there are a lot of similarities, actually. So using the Shanghai Disney Park as an example, uh, the Disney powers that be created this video to inform guests what kind of changes they'll find when they arrive at the theme park. And the way this translates to cruise ships really has to do a lot with crowd management and just being in a contained environment. So they have said they're going to limit the amount of park goers that are admitted at one time, and cruise ships will probably also limit their capacity. The Chinese Disneyland guests will be required to purchase admission in advance, and they'll be given an arrival time. And this is likely how cruise ships will handle embarkation day as well. And yes, some cruise lines already assign check-in times. But now it will really have to be enforced a lot better, actually, so people don't cluster at the entrance doors. You know, you're given an 11 o'clock embark time and people line up at 9 a.m. and they just sort of cluster around. So that's going to have to be worked out. Thermal scans would be able to check a crowd rather than just take individual temperatures. Dining venues between uh, Shanghai Disney and cruise ships are going to be similar in that there will be fewer tables. Guests in the theme park will be required to wear a face mask the entire time in the park. The exception, of course, would be while eating, and I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar on cruise ships. You have to deal with rides and attractions, and that could end up with social distancing, leaving empty rows between guests. You know, if you're with one group, you'd have a space between the group behind you. And then also the video advises to only touch when you're going shopping to only touch items that you plan to buy. So how they're going to do this on a cruise ship, I can't quite figure that one out. I mean, that would mean no trying on watches, browsing for jewelry, uh, no more fragrance testing that I love to do before <laughs> before I go to dinner. Um, so there's a lot of similarities, but you know, it's all about implementation and what we're going to actually see in the future. I found it interesting on Wednesday, Royal Caribbean's CEO, Michael Bailey, said that he sent a team over to Shanghai Disney to see how they were doing things, to see if anything they're doing could be implemented across all the Royal Caribbean brands. So that was interesting he said that. Yeah, it was interesting. And a Norway-based cruise company said they are resuming on June 16th. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite cruise lines, Hertegruten. They have extended their suspension of service and have announced their new start date will be June 16th. The cruise line also has plans to gradually restart Arctic expedition cruises this summer. And it's worthy to note that Hertegruten has not had any confirmed or even suspected cases of COVID-19 on any ships. For those who want to book, Hertegruten has introduced a flexible rebooking policy and with this new plan, they're offering free rebooking on all voyages that depart before September 30th, plus 
guests will receive a future discount of 10% to apply to any future cruise departing through 2021. Yeah, Norway's doing pretty well. They're already back to school and everything over there. Yeah, they've had their own plan and seems to be working. Sure is. This next story struck me because cruise lines typically only open up sailings about 18 months in advance, yet NCL said we're opening up bookings through 2023. Yeah, this is way in the future. So Norwegian Cruise Line has announced new sailings that would depart, like you said, between 2021 and 2023. And this includes 20 new destinations around the world. Norwegian still plans to resume normal operations on July 1, but hopes people will set their sights on these more distant dates as well. And all of these departures, interestingly enough, are from foreign ports. So this includes Norwegian star departing from Buenos Aires to Antarctica, which would, of course, have to be a drive-by. And they will also have cruises that go to Greenland that depart from Reykjavik, Iceland. Norwegian Jade will cruise round trip from Cape Town, South Africa, and Norwegian Sun will become their first ship in the fleet to visit a handful of lesser-known ports in Japan. So the only departure from a U.S. port in that time frame will be the Pride of America, and that, of course, does the seven-day sailings out of Honolulu. Listener question here. You got to track with me on this one, Sherry, because I might butcher it. It's a long one. Um, I'll be going <laughs> on Carnival Panorama out of Long Beach, California. My question is, I have a car rental till 8.30 a.m. since I'll be spending the week in L.A. before leaving on my seven-night cruise. Am I able to leave my bags at 8 a.m.? at the port with luggage porters so it's less back and forth from LAX where I'm dropping off my car. Usually I get to the port at 11, so I'm not even sure if they're there that early. I'm sorry, Alan, but uh, unfortunately 8 a.m. is probably a little too early to drop your luggage with the shoreside luggage handlers. At that time of the morning, they're usually too busy offloading to check your incoming luggage, but the good news is that the port will usually accept luggage after 9 a.m. So if you can have that little window there, um, instead of 8 a.m., make it 9, you might be able to check your luggage. And that said, if that doesn't work out, um, you know, you could contact port operations and see if they have any clues. But if nothing else, walk over to Queen Mary's. Just, oh, gosh, maybe, what, 200 steps, Doug, from mm-hmm. yeah, really close. one to the other? It's, it's real close. And to avoid having to pay, you know, if you just go there, bring your luggage, you can check your luggage, actually, when you enter the Queen Mary. If you're going to have breakfast in the Promenade restaurant or going to Starbucks and you won't have to pay the admission fee if that is your only mission. They may charge to check the luggage that I'm not sure of. But, you know, if you haven't seen the Queen Mary, it's definitely worth going to see. Yeah, that's my advice. When you're going to the Queen Mary, always tell them you're going to eat at the Promenade Cafe or you're going to Starbucks uh, and they'll let you on. Otherwise, they'll be like, let me see your room key. But if you tell them you're going to eat, you're making them money and they're going to let you right on through. Yeah. And, you know, if you have extra time, go buy a tour ticket and join one of the groups and take a, take one of the scary tours like yeah, we did. They were, that was so fun. We've been talking oh, with Sherry it. Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Stay safe, please. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. I'm so happy to be joined by Cruise Director Kabir right now. He's previously served as Cruise Director on Carnival Cruise Line and Celebrity Cruises, and now he's with another cruise line that I will not say the name. He's also the host of the Keeping Afloat podcast. How are you doing, Kabir? I'm doing fantastic, Doug. Thanks for having me. Okay, so it's March 13th. There has been a global suspension of cruising, and your ship is floating in the Caribbean. Take us back to that day. So I was basically in bed because my contract was supposed to end on March 15th. I was supposed to be going home that day. And captain came on the PA at that point, and uh, things were looking a little bit precarious already. And he just said, uh, you know, we are not going to be taking on any new passengers on the 15th. However, if you have a second week booked, you're, you're going to be staying aboard. Well, my replacement was supposed to be on those outbound flights. So it, you know what? It was a bit nerve-wracking. And seeing the rest of the cruise industry, I guess shut down around us. We saw Princess go down first. We saw Carnival Cruise Line, Royal, Celebrity, everybody. Uh, and I felt, it felt honestly at that point, we would be the only ones trying to operate a cruise. And we had a quote unquote revised itinerary, but uh, that didn't really come to fruition. Yeah. How does that work? Because you're supposed to be the calming presence on board. You know what? This was different. If something happens where we miss a port, for example, There's a justification that we have to give to everyone as to why that happened. And usually there's something very reasonable. There's a problem in the port. There's a security threat. There's, uh, you know, a problem with the winds. Usually that's what it is. In this case, for the very first time in history, the entire world, the entire industry as a whole was in the exact same boat. And there was a level of understanding. So that level of frustration that I expected was far lower because there was that education as to, you know, this is a global pandemic. I think the severity as to how quickly everything was going to stop and how quickly everything was going to you know, get worse, that was unpredicted. That was unprecedented as well. Yeah. How did you pivot once this happened? You immediately go into extreme compassion mode, A. Mm-hmm. And for me, the mindset changed from I'm an officer and I need to do X, Y, and Z. It changed to let's just we're all on the same team here and we have the same goal. And that is to keep everybody healthy and to get everybody home. That, that changed. It was, it's, it was a very big leadership uh, and mindset, um, I guess, advancement. I think it was a sense of just knowing that we as a team need to band together. And more than ever, this isn't about, you know, profit or anything like that. This is just about the greater good. Okay, so the announcement has been made. Guests know what's going on. How long past March 13th did it take for guests to start being able to disembark and fly home or go home? 
that was an interesting one. So most of our guests on our ship are from Europe and the UK. Okay. And the benefit of our cruise line is a lot of our holidays are sold as a package. So as a result, uh, the cruise line has a lot to do with the flights that are coming out. We have almost extreme control over it. We have manifests that get sent to us as to who's going to be on the flights and who's joining the ship. So for us, it's, it, we were in a huge, huge positive versus other cruise lines having to scramble to find flights. Now, we had a few stages to that, and it, it was complicated. And I hope you don't mind me mentioning, I actually did an episode on this on my podcast as well, about play-by-play uh, -play exactly how it happened. It's called Keeping Afloat. You can search it anywhere you get your podcast. But just a brief overview of that, we weren't allowed to dock in our home port. You know, okay, cruise starts on the 15th. We were basically all of our ports canceled. And uh, so we were sailing in and out of our home port. At that point, when we were supposed to dock on the 22nd to disembark passengers, our home port basically said, no, that's just not happening. Um, and so we had to eventually get them off on the 24th in that home port. There was a major deal between the UK and EU governments with the the national with the country that we were homeporting out of in order to get us out and that was going from like foreign secretaries and prime ministers that's how high level this became very quickly so they left the ship a few days late we still had 50 guests in isolation we had to drop them off to an undisclosed location we weren't actually told um because if it got to media it could have caused such an issue so uh, we figured out at the end of the day, it was uh, Mexico. It was a port in Mexico we had to take them to to fly home. But wow. that was quite the ordeal. Uh, and that was just the last 50 guests we had to take to another place. You mentioned isolation. Was there COVID cases on the ship with either guest or crew? There were both. Let me just say to everyone listening as well, like the, the reason I'm sharing this is because I feel like Everybody needs to know that I think what was said on the media, CNN and, and sources like that, not just to single them out, but other other sources as well. The portrayal of exactly what happened was very different to what was happening on board. And as a result of that, yeah, there were people in isolation. We had guests in isolation and the crew were much harder hit in terms of cases than the guests were. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the number of people that are in a cabin on older ships built pre-2000 or so, some of them maybe just past that as well, a lot of ships have four crew to a cabin. And as a result, if one person shows symptoms, the other three automatically go into isolation just based on proximity, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm sure everybody can understand. Now, that obviously was reflected in the numbers. We had in total maybe 50, 60 guests in isolation. But when we're looking at crew in isolation, we had 200. That doesn't mean we had 200 cases. Far from it. However, as a precaution, yeah, that's how many we had. How did the testing work? Because the instant ones weren't really a thing at that point. Well, even worse, we, we only had six testing kits uh, brought on board oh, wow. uh, in our home port. And after it was and we had medical, uh, our medical staff obviously running around. I mean, look, we, we were very compassionate to that. Uh, and across the, across the cruise industry, if you've ever been on board, you know that the spa has doctors that work there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them are fully licensed MDs. So on our ship, both of our spa doctors are registered. He was an acupuncturist, but he's also an MD. And our, uh, I guess the doctor that does, you know, the, the lip injections and things like that, he's also an MD. They were asked to assist. So we at one point had four doctors on board, six nurses. Uh, and that, that, was, that was tough, very tough. No testing kits. It was basically based on symptoms, and you automatically went into isolation if you had flu-like symptoms. That was it. 
So you're an officer on the ship, a guest-facing officer. Were you in quarantine as well? Yes. So this was interesting, actually. If you, if you, I, I think someone sent the announcement to YouTube. If you listen to Captain Kate's announcement from Celebrity Edge, she made an announcement that said, "All right, we are now entering a full ship quarantine. It doesn't matter who you are. You are not to be anywhere." other than your cabin, and this is for your own safety. So I think everybody across the world, including on ships, from the captain, hotel director, cruise director, all of us officers, down to all of the crew, we were in the exact same boat, in the exact same position. We were uh, having to be isolated, and yeah, we were. Now, that was only for a small portion. We did have access to the whole ship for the majority of the time with social distancing. But when that quarantine came in, it doesn't it didn't matter who you were. That's it. You're in quarantine. I want to ask about quarantine, because when I had norovirus seven years ago, they delivered my meals in like a hazmat suit. Was it anything like that? Um, it you know what? OK, there was a bit of lightheartedness to this. So our let me let me give a bit of a backstory to our quarantine. Our captain is he's a really nice guy, uh, wonderful British gentleman. And um I remember having a conversation with him as this was unfolding on the bridge. It was my final day as cruise director on, on March 14th uh, when I was supposed to leave. And obviously I didn't leave. Um, but, uh, you know, he said, I am not going to sacrifice the mental health of my crew by putting them into isolation mm-hmm. when our case numbers, if, if they are appropriate, we, he, he basically said he wanted to avoid it at all costs. So this quarantine was done because the EU regulation came out that if a ship is to dock, everybody on board must complete a full 14-day quarantine. Um, Luckily, that was slightly relaxed for us. We were in full quarantine for three days. They uh, brought us breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 7 a.m. There's a knock on the door. doesn't matter if you're sleeping. (laughs) You take the the breakfast from the amazing food and beverage team. Mm -hmm. They were fantastic. They basically put themselves on the line to, to serve food to the ship going to every single cabin. So power to them. It was amazing to see that. But yeah, they handed it to us. They were just wearing masks, gloves, um, and they'd come and take the plates later on. And so that kind of, that pattern went on for three, four, five days uh, before we lifted the quarantine. Listener question from Lauren. What is quarantine on a cruise ship like? Does it get boring? Ooh, uh, you know, I'm a very good bored person. I'll put it that way. Uh, I can watch TV. I can come up with my own projects. Um, you know, to answer your question, yes, it does get boring. However, it's up to you to occupy your time however you see fit. All of our crew were given guest cabins, which across most major cruise lines, that's what happened. And we have on-demand programming on our TVs. We had just about everybody or as many people as possible in a balcony, uh, a balcony or an ocean view at the very least. So they could go outside. I worked out on my balcony. Uh, anybody that follows me on Instagram, um, you'll notice I posted a workout selfie every day just to prove I was doing it. But yeah, it does get boring. Does it start to get to you being on a ship that long? I mean, you brought up a good point when you said the captain was concerned about mental health. That's a multi-layered question. And I'll tell you why. Because I was on the ship for, in total, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was six weeks of unpredictability. I was extremely lucky. Uh, I <laughs> I was only supposed to be there for an extra an extra week. Uh, so basically, I was supposed to go home on the fifteenth. Obviously, I couldn't rebooked for the twenty second. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I 
I had a mini suite for that time. And I just stayed in that mini suite for the six weeks. There's no point in moving, but I was also one of the only people in a cabin that large. And Mm -hmm. that was really helpful. I loved it. I live my life. I am a cruiser at heart and that's actually how, you know, we got to know each other obviously. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I loved it. So yes, it was incredible. But at the same time, after that six weeks, we still have crew that are on ships and my heart goes out to each and every one of them because now it's getting ridiculous. I mean, we're going into May. This started in March. We're, we're talking about well over two months for a lot of these people not being able to see land. Some of them, you know, some of these ships, I'm, I'm not going to lie, they are going to be running out of food unless they provision very soon. You've got up to 44 ships off the coast of Manila there, and uh, they all need to provision. They all need fuel. So yeah, it's getting dire. And, you know, the seafarers, are. <laughs> this wasn't their fault, but, you know, it's up to certain countries to, to, to assist in any way that they can. And we were very lucky in how our story ended. You know, and that's the thing, right? Because there's so much red tape involved. Whose responsibility at the end of the day is it to make sure that these ships get provisioned? Is it being off the coast of the Philippines? Is it the Philippine government's responsibility? Or does it fall into the lap of the cruise line? You know what? The onus on how a cruise line handles this crisis is down to the line itself. You know, there are going to be government regulations that come out. But at the end of the day, the crew work for the cruise line. And that duty of care, as per contracts, you are in a duty of care with that cruise line from medical expenses to food, lodging, all of that. That's covered by the line. That is where things are going to become very, very different down the line, I think, in the response that cruise lines have and their relationship with the government. I think it's going to be more positive in the future because of this, because I think everybody's learned from what they need to do. And speaking of the welfare of the crew, uh, I think the crew on Navigator of the Seas, a Royal Caribbean ship, is they're kind of doing a hunger strike because they want to get off the ship. I'm just curious, as a crew member, what is your thoughts on that? Ooh, that's a tough one Um, in the sense of you know, this pandemic, whether you're on land or you're on a ship, how you handle it and how you're dealing with it is very personal. And it's it's a mentality thing. It is a mindset. Yeah, I understand the significance of wanting to get off the ship. However, there is so much red tape around getting these crew members off the ship from the perspective of a cruise line and from the perspective of a country. Mm-hmm. It's on the onus of the cut of, of the cruise line to take care of the crew, as I said. But is a hunger strike going to do anything? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, I feel for the crew and I love Navigator of the Seas. I've been on that ship. And obviously, as a crew member, like I, I totally get it. But do I think that that's actually going to aid to a solution? No. Other than make somebody other than make yourselves uncomfortable, everybody's trying their best to get these people off the ship, really and truly. But I think that every country is dealing with this issue very differently, and I don't know if that's going to help. And you recently just got home. When it was time for you to fly back home, were you part of a repatriation? I, I was. So what happened was, um, you know, we, we dropped off our guests uh, in our port in Mexico, and then we were just told once again we can't announce where we're going. Mm-hmm. And it, even for me, as as a senior officer of the ship, was very hard to find out where we were going. There were only about six people on board that knew our destination. We were told to head east. Our initial, well, I found out our initial destination was going to be Lisbon in order to refuel. 
uh, and we were going to complete a transatlantic. So surprise, transatlantic time, which was not normal. I mean, usually we plan for weeks for a transatlantic when we have guests. And meanwhile, this time it was like, boom, you're going. And, um, you know, it was a long transatlantic. Lisbon had declined one of our other ships. And so we changed course and headed straight for Europe. And uh, we were very lucky to get into Southampton eventually. And I did get my flight home from London Heathrow straight to Toronto. And uh, it was amazing. I I absolutely loved it. Listener question from Mark. Any discussion on what we might see moving forward as far as social distancing or buffets? Yes, I think the era of going to the buffet and picking things up yourself is over. (laughs) Actually, there's some interesting... um, interesting concepts that cruise lines have already been doing mm-hmm. PNO Australia got rid of the quote unquote buffet concept. They refer to their restaurants on board as the pantry. Now the pantry, the concept behind it is somebody always serves you and it's built for that. So it, it's a very, I think that's what we're going to see going forward. I think a lot of ships going after their dry docks are going to be fitted for that. Social distancing is going to be 100% a thing for the foreseeable future. And I think it's for the better. Uh, I think that ships are not going to be able to sail at full capacity for quite a while. And the concept of travel, as we know it, is in many ways going to improve. You're going to get your personal space back. We've all been on a ship before where you have to deal with a long line or there's a crowd of some sort getting on the ship, on the off the ship. And I think those days are going to be behind us for the next little while because we do need to maintain social distancing. We can't have a full ship, uh, especially on these larger ships. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to rethink a couple of things and be ready for some extra expenses, possibly. I don't think the cruise price itself will go up, but I think the cost of services and goods on board the ship could. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, everybody's going to be looking to... um, to have to subsidize this additional cost of fewer guests. Yeah. Emily has the next question and she wants to know how your job is going to change moving forward. It's a good question because, you know, a sail away party on Lido deck, people are pretty much on top of each other. Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to be utilizing more technology, you know, cruise lines like celebrity Royal Caribbean, even NCL in some ways, they've been using technology more and more celebrity edge. One of the most technologically advanced ships has some fantastic tools in it. Where, you know, it could very well be, you know what, everyone, we're going to do the sail away party from your balcony. Just tune into Channel 22. We're going to broadcast live. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be things like that. Um, There could be a six foot rule. Maybe we'll come out with a line dance that's specifically built for social distancing (laughs) where there's a couple of extra swings and jumps and twirls where, you know, you need to have that extra space anyway. I think that's going to be different. For me, the way I run my department is going to have to change. Uh, Cast shows on stage where... You know, the cast are literally swinging each other around. How is that going to change as well? So we're going to have to get a little creative. My role itself, uh, I'm going to have to rethink close proximity and small group entertainment. We're going to have to think about trivia pencils, making sure that maybe we're using that on our phones. Maybe we're using an app, uh, communicating on board. I think that's all going to change. And I'm really excited for the innovation that's going to come from this. And I'm excited to help hopefully pioneer it. Along those lines, the casino layout will be different, too. It'll be interesting to see if we're going to see more touchless technology or disposable chips or chips being washed more. You know what I mean? I think it could go digital. 
I could see this going digital um, in a lot on a lot of ships. The newer ships, funny enough, are going to be the most difficult to adapt this to because they're brand spanking new. They've already got all this infrastructure in there. Older ships, it's very easy to adapt older ships because it leaves room. These newer ships that already have these fixtures and fittings that have just been installed in a specific way, that they're going to be interesting to have to retrofit, or rather, not the opposite of retrofit. Um, you know, they're going to have to be newly minted with all of this technology. If you had to offer the powers that be in the cruise industry some advice moving forward, coming from a crew member, what would you say? The number one thing I would say is, first of all, crew members more than ever need to be treated compassionately. And it's very, look, I've worked for a number of different companies and most of them as cruise director. And for me, life is easy. I won't lie. You know, I've got a suite. I've got a lot of things done for me already. And I'm so grateful for it. What I saw from our crew during this pandemic was how all of us came together, regardless of rank, regardless of where we're from. And we all helped each other. And my crew were amazing. I couldn't, I can't thank them enough from housekeeping, food and beverage, security. They were brilliant. To the powers that be, I would say that those are people and the whole concept of the crew this, the crew that, they need to go in and see it for themselves. They need to be more on site. And more importantly, they need to have certain precautions in place to assist crew in the event of a crisis. They need to have the right amount of funding for crew welfare. They need to have plans to repatriate with specific airlines, possibly maybe an airline partner. And more than anything, they need to tap into their local governments and pick a side. Because as soon as you start using all these different loopholes to try and get out of certain expenses, it very well can create issues. And uh, I think what we're going to be seeing more than ever now is hopefully some more cohesiveness between cruise lines and governments, because I think that is what's going to make the biggest difference going forward. When you see an article like Nightmare Hasn't Ended for 90,000 Stranded Cruise Ship Workers, do you feel that those are being portrayed accurately? I don't. Actually, there's a couple of articles that I saw posted. The first one, just to backtrack, there was one that said uh, cruise line workers describe life on board similar to college because of how much fraternization happens amongst them. I actually wrote to the writer and said, you know, this is extremely offensive to however many hundreds of thousands of crew members around the ship because we're not all running around trying to, you know, hook up, hook up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's not the case for hardworking professionals that come from families and have worked a very long time to get to where we are. So, you know, that was my number one brush with the media where I said, OK, please don't demonize us or make us look like this. When I see articles that, you know, night when you use the word nightmare, stranded, all of this mm -hmm. look. I'm not on a ship right now, but I was for six weeks. I don't know what it's been like since then. What I can say is I love being on a ship. I love the ocean. I love the weather. The food was great. Um, I love the time on my own and having a beautiful guest room to relax in. I did not think it was a nightmare. However, I don't have kids at home. I don't have, I have a family here. I have my, fa my family and I are very close, but we're all okay. I don't have people in my family with extremely 
poor health or things like that that I want to go home to. So for them, maybe it's difficult. But the media saying that it's a nightmare and demonizing the cruise industry, that's not fair as well. I think everybody is trying their best, but we do need to pay attention to these crew members on their sh- on the ship. They don't deserve to be there. They they need help getting home, and the government needs to pay attention to help. And I'm just saying the government in general, because all of these ships are tied to different countries. Sure. They're all off the coast of different places. So it's a sense of compassion that we are giving ourselves and other people around us by imposing social distance. And just because you can't see these crew members doesn't mean that they don't exist. Good point, man. And someone who has been cruising for a while and they may be nervous about maybe stepping on the ship again, what would you tell them? Don't be nervous at all. I know that even as this was ramping up, we followed strict sanitation protocols, very strict guidelines and regulations around contact time of our cleaning products, of of, uh, social distance, of how food is treated. All of those, even from then where they were such a high standard, are going to be brought in at an even higher standard. So really and truly, I think there is minimal to no risk from getting on a cruise ship now. I think the cruise lines have definitely learned. They've seen what the result of this is. And there are going to be countless precautions in place. And most importantly, you know, let's let's also not forget ships themselves I mean, we're talking about norovirus. Yes, disease can spread very, very quickly. But we've learned so much from this pandemic that uh, all of this knowledge will be imposed 150%. We've been talking with cruise director Kabir. He's also the host of the Keeping Afloat podcast. And um, by the way, Kabir, I'm really digging the podcast lately, man. You have some meditation going on over there. You have the whole thing with some uh, cruise talk. Uh, Was that meditation to keep you sane while you were on board? Yeah, it keeps me sane most of the time. I mean, uh-huh. look, anybody that's cruised, you've seen your cruise directors from Carnival Cruise Line to Royal Caribbean, Celebrity Princess. We're we're nuts. We're absolutely nuts. <laughs> uh, we've got a big job. You know, we run massive teams. We have a lot of responsibility and it takes a big toll on your mental health. The meditation was something my mom taught me to just kind of help me basically chill out. And uh, I do it with the guests every sea day morning. And so this was my way of just kind of saying, hey, if you're feeling stressed out right now, try out this meditation. And I, w- I have more coming. I'll also link to your podcast in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. It was good catching up, my friend. Welcome home. And I hope to see you back out on the sea sometime soon. Thank you so much, Doug. Take care. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.